Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I am David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Good. That was quite a game. Quite a game. Never in doubt. <laughs> well, they were... <laughs> The owners were the, by far the better team that game, Bruce. You think? Yeah. And um, they did, in the end, eco to 5-4 win in overtime. Mm-hmm. But they, they, it was close. The grade-A shots in that game, Bruce, were 31-14 to 14 mm-hmm. for the Oilers. The, and the five alarm shots were 17-8. to eight. Mm-hmm. 17. I don't know what, like, it's, how many ex- expected goals is that for the Oilers? It's like eight or nine that's it was crazy how many how natural statric oh. had a 5.7 to 2.7 in expected goals and i think that's probably a bit light i'm just gonna say well there's all yeah, these i mean that's a lot you don't usually see five five seven. expected goals and so the order is actually underperformed their number of expected Four. goals while san jose out outperformed theirs without even counting the three that were called back uh in this game by by the sharks so anyway this was a pretty weird we game have, david our expected goals was nine for the oilers in this oh. game bruce wow Something around nine, a little bit more than nine. Let's get at it. There's lots to talk about. Two good things, uh-huh. two bad things, and two numbers. Because it was the Oilers' big win, we'll go with two good things each. What is your first good thing, Bruce? Oh, well, i got to go with uh, video coach Jeremy Kupal. I think this is the third time I picked him in the last two years. Yeah. But uh, he had the hat trick tonight. I don't think I've ever seen a video coach with a hat trick of successful challenges on three different goals. Uh, two offside calls that were uh, correctly uh, overturned by the narrowest of margins. I hate the rule, but it's the rule, so you got to use it, and you got to, you got to, you know, you got to apply it just as hard as the other guys are trying to apply it on you, even as uh, uh, it takes what otherwise appear to be perfectly good uh, goals on what appear to be simultaneous zone entries off the board, and that's all the rule can do. It can never fix a bad call made against the attacking team at the blue line, which is my major beef against it. It's a one-way rule. Anyway, Kupal got those two right, and then he got a very thin goaltender interference call that he might not have got had not San Jose gotten one earlier in the game on a fairly similar set of circumstances of a guy in the blue paint who technically was um, not allowing the goaltender to do his goaltender thing. So... It was in a little flimsy. San Jose goal was not allowing Jack Campbell to let it in, which seems to be his goaltender thing as much as anything. That was a bad one too. It was going wide. He reached out with his blocker and hit his arm and bounced inside and into the net, just like the winning goal he let up in Winnipeg in his last game. A wide shot that he redirected into his own net. Thankfully for him, Jeremy Kupal saved him for yet a third time in the game on that one. And he, uh, uh, within the very narrow boundaries of his job description, he was a huge contributor to this win. So he's my good thing, number one. Yeah, he was. 
<laughs> that was just bizarre how many goals were being called back. And the offside thing is it's hard to take. Like it's like it is. I hate the rule. It, I, hate I don't like rule. it either. I don't like it either. It should be, I don't know. I don't know. I think the game would be better without it, better off mm-hmm. without it. Even though the orders benefited there and, and those were technically mm-hmm. offside plays. They were pretty darn close, both of them. Uh Bruce, my good th- I'll I'll go with Darnell Nurse mm-hmm. um as the good thing. He had a high event game. Yep. He made major contributions to five um, grade A shots and major mistakes on four against. So I got a cat squeezing in the room here. So that was a big, big, um, you know, a typical Darnell Nurse night in a typical Darnell Nurse season. But he comes through, he scored the winning goal. Nice to see him flying up the ice like that at the end of the mm-hmm. game and just pounding that in. He really picked the corner on that shot. It was just a fantastic play, a fantastic goal by Darnell Nurse to win the game. And it couldn't happen to, in some ways, a more deserving player. He gets a lot of criticism. So it's, it's nice when something really good like that happens mm-hmm. for Nurse because it, it, it kind of electrifies people in a positive way. These, these you know, these events, you know, where you score in overtime or you cause a goal against in overtime, they can be kind of like seared into the memory of the of Oilers fans. They take on it, of any fans, Just it's just normal for this to happen, these big moments. And it's great for him to come up big in a big moment because um, it doesn't always happen. You know, he's not he's not a huge point scorer and he's more often on the bad end of it because he's he's defending against the best players in the NHL night in, night out, most mm-hmm. of the game. And he's often beat by those players, which is expect expected. That's going to happen if you're up against these guys. But um, great game for from Darnell Nurse tonight, I thought, overall, Bruce. And, you know, he's now got... 71 games, 36 points. Um, last year, Bruce, plus 19. 0.5 points per game. Yeah, last year, Bruce. Gets, okay, mm-hmm. this year, 71 games, 36 points, 19 plus minus. This year, 71, or last year, 71 games, 35 points, and 18 plus minus. He's at the exact same numbers as last year. And in the last the year before, uh, Dave. Last few years, he's had one big year where he got 36 points in 56 games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay. Plus. We'll go back to 2018-19, 41 points in 82 games. Mm-hmm. Next year, 33 points in 71 games. Next year, 36 points in 56 games. That was his contract year, I believe. Right. Uh, well, was the, it, the contract year would have been the next year, but he signed a whole year early. Side of year after early, the, after players, that big year where he really had the the unreal shooting percentage, he scored 16 goals that year, by far a career high. The owners wanted to lock him up. It was a good idea to lock him up. That's what you do with good. That's what you do with number one demon on your team. Um, so he's just he's really consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, do I wish that he was slightly made slightly better decisions now and then on defense? Yes, I do. I really do. And, and, you know, sometimes is this, he joins the rush sometimes when he shouldn't. And he uh, he doesn't shut down guys when you think he should. Um, but he is he is a, he is a, a solid number one D-man on the Edmonton Oilers. And he showed that tonight. Although some people are saying Ekholm's the number one D-man. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I want to see when Ekholm faced the steady diet of the toughest competition. I still mm-hmm. think it's Nurse and Cece who get the lion's share of that. Yep. From what I'm, I haven't looked at the numbers or anything, but that's what I'm noticing. They're always out there against the tough guy, toughest guys. So good for Darnell Nurse. 
Bruce, your second. No, good just thing. the guy you want to see flying in on a breakaway on his 29th shift of the game. Hey, eh? defenseman, still going like that all the way to the end. So you got to respect that at least. Yeah, huge uh, big train. And they managed to find a hole in James Reimer, which was more than the the big shooters could do. <clears throat> so anyway, that was. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was. Uh, 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 as good a way as any to end this game in which uh, the last five goals were scored by defensemen uh, who were all three stars. Imagine that, 5-4 game with 84 shots and, what would you say, a 1,000 grade-A scoring chances <laughs> and the three stars were all D-men. <laughs> yeah. Those are, you're going to get into Ekholm here. I am, yeah. That's my second good thing is Matthias Ekholm and... and uh, a lot of good things that he did, but I'll just focus on the two tying goals that he scored uh, at times when Oilers really needed him, where he emerged from the back end and suddenly was right in front of the net to uh, receive a great pass from uh, Leon Dreisaitl in the first instance, uh, Connor McDavid in the second. And the first, he took the puck over onto his backhand side and managed to just find a tiny hole above Reimer's pad and below his uh, glove to squeeze it through to tie it at 3-3. At the time, the game was really going sideways for Edmonton. And then uh, in the third period, with the score uh, 4-3 for the whole period, and Edmonton sort of just running into walls and posts. And I always hit four posts in the third period in overtime. Uh, and they hit Reimer about 20 times. And, and anyway, uh, they it was Ekholm, of all people, for the second time in the game, who took it this time in a three-way passing play with Dreisaitl to McDavid to Ekholm. And because each of the star Oilers drew two players to him, there was just all kinds of room down the left side. And Ekholm just kind of casually brought it right into the face-off dot about 12 feet from the net. And then he wound up with a full slap shot. And he just bombed a rocket right into the top corner, like the reverse angle replay of this. That shot could not have been more perfectly placed if he tried it a thousand times. <laughs> That's right in there. Just a rocket. And, I mean, for, for the goalie, like, I mean, that's got to be terrifying to see a great big <laughs> bearded Viking wind Mike, up for that yeah, shot. And Mike. I thought, well, at least it didn't hit me on the way in and kill me. You know, it just <laughs> hit the net and tied the game. And I, I thought he was uh, uh, pretty strong throughout. I mean, this was a chaotic game, and they all were on the wrong side of the puck once or twice or or more in uh, some cases. But it was uh, uh, it was uh, Ekholm, really, who was the hero. And I believe he was the first star of the three. Yes, he was. Yeah. And probably deservedly so. And boy, have the Oilers' fortunes ever changed since he came here. Now it's two goals tonight, plus two. Uh, he's through 10 games now, and I think he's got nine points and plus 15 in 10 games. And, I mean, you say what you want to about plus minus. This is mostly even strength stuff that he's been doing. It's not like he's been piling in empty net goals and shorties and, you know, getting kind of the, the borderline ones that, you know, that aren't sort of even competition. It's mostly been five on five. And for whatever reason, I mean, he's been getting saves behind him, too, let's face it. But for whatever reason, the Oilers are badly outscoring uh, the opposition when he's on the ice. And boy, what a breath of fresh air to to have a player like that on the, playing on the back end. Ian, 
Indeed, Bruce. Indeed. Ragnar Lothbrook, the Viking, come to life. <laughs> he, he is a good hockey player. And, and it reminds me just, people don't like to hear this, but it reminds me how much, how valuable Duncan Keith was to the Oilers last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he, um, he really settled down uh, Bouchard last year and and he started Evan Bouchard looked a lot better. Oh, has he ever looked like a player transform when by the end of the mm-hmm. year with Duncan Keith and by the playoffs, Bouchard was just playing solid hockey, two way hockey, and we're we're seeing it again. It's happening again, and the good news is that Ekholm's not right at the end of his career. He's not thirty eight or thirty nine, oh. whatever Keith was at the end there. He's three thirty three, three years on it, three more years on his contract. And for a defenseman, I, I, you know, I think it's a reasonable that he's going to be okay unless he gets injured. So, and they all, you know, lots of players get injured. So that, that wouldn't be unusual, but he, he's a tough guy. He's tends to stay healthy and he's playing great hockey oh. and he's lifted up the game of Evan Bouchard. And it was exactly the player the Oilers needed way to go. Ken Hall. And that was a hell of a trade. That was a fantastic trade. I, I ran a poll, Bruce, actually, on the weekend. Um, you know, what grade would you give Ken Holland? A, B, C, D, or F? And uh, more than 90% of the t- almost 2,000 people who voted in that poll, 90% of them g- gave him an A or a B. I think it was about 35% gave him an A, and the others gave him B to add up to, to 90, 91%, something like wow. that. So Ken Holland's... Uh, Riding pretty high right now. Now, of course, if the orders go out in the first round, that he could still get he could still get moved out. Like that's a that's a distinct possibility. Can turn to an F in a real hurry. It sure can. So, what does it mean? If, <laughs> like, and I said this in the post, it doesn't mean anything, because no. it, it, what matters to the orders mm-hmm. is what happens in the postseason. So, yeah. nonetheless, that was a hell of a trade, and the uh, Bugstad trade's not looking that bad right now in this very moment either. Ooh. Okay, my second good thing, Bruce, will, tonight. will be Kyler Yamamoto. Kyler Yamamoto, Bruce, who was in on, made major contributions to nine grade A shots this game. Nine grade A shots. for. So, um, in the early in the second period, um, Ekholm, I think he puts it at net. I don't know if it went on net. I can't remember. Anyway, McDavid gets the rebound. Comes around the net, puts it out front, and there's Yamamoto to slam it home. Nugent, Nugent Hopkins making some trouble in the crease, and Yamamoto just really quick, really quick, gets off that shot, and he gets a goal. A very nice play from Kyler Yamamoto. That line with McDavid and Yamamoto and Nugent, I like that. Like they, that's that seemed to um, they were quick out there. That line mm-hmm. and um, kind of a quickness that maybe you don't always see um, from the orders. He, <laughs> Yamamoto almost scored again in the third period. There was a rush up the ice, and he kind of got tripped up, and he went towards the net, and the puck kind went of. off him and almost went in there. And threw the goalie and off the post. Indeed. In overtime, he um, uh, Nugent Hopkins set him up in the slot for a um, uh, nice, nice uh, attempt on net, which Reimer um, poke-checked. Great play. Not <laughs> a great play by Rummer. It was his second very memorable poke check of the game. Although the first poke check was more of a body check, shall we say, where Nugent Hopkins was right in there and was about had deked 
had successfully deked Reimer and was about to score when Reimer reached out his arms and grabbed Nuge and wouldn't let him, you know, you shall not pass. And mm-hmm. um, Nuge did not. And it was the... Didn't shoot either. <laughs> it, it was the most astounding play um, where the he... Not only did Reimer make the play, but he didn't get penalized on it. So mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, back to Yamamoto, he was uh, integral on the winning goal. And Nuge um, makes a nice play in the corner, and Yamamoto puts it up to, right away, just slams that puck up to, to Darnell Nurse, who breaks in. So he was um, he's, he was in on a couple goals. He was all over the uh, grade A shots on net. Um, let me just see if he made any mistakes on grade, and he didn't make any, not one mistake on a grade A shot against. So that's at least a great a great game for Yamamoto, yeah. if not better than that. Yeah. A fantastic performance from him, and 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 then again another player. Um, this is the way it goes in Edmonton. Um, and when you're when you're when you're banged up and injured sometimes and not playing well, you get a lot of criticism. And I criticized Yamamoto last week. Mm-hmm. I was saying that Yamamoto should be on the list of players who should be considered to be um, held out of a game if push comes to shove. And um, I, I meant it because he hasn't been playing well. But suddenly he's looking like his old self again, and tonight was the best example of that w- that we've seen, which is great news for the Oilers. This is a fun; he can be a, a good complementary top six player. He he has been in the past, and you know it would be it was great if he could be healthy for the playoffs and be this player um, for the Edmonton Oilers in, in these coming playoffs because they're going to need him. They're going to need him to come through, just like they're going to need Evander Kane to come through and Heim. Like all to win in this to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to need all, all of their players to make uh, timely contributions. So great to see Yamamoto do so tonight. Scored his tenth goal and his tenth assist in this game. There you go. Which you know, I mean, you're thinking, oh, that's not very good, but he's uh, I think the tenth different Oiler forward who's in double digits now, and he's done that in 47 games. So basically, he's he's about two goals and two assists off the pace he scored last year when he had 20 and 21 in 81 games. And he was, you know, every fourth game he'd score a goal and every other fourth game he'd score an assist. And just, you know, in this year, he had a long stretch early in the season where he was playing hurt and he was not effective at all. And, and probably if he, if he just counted the other games, he'd be pretty much on last year's pace. So I personally was hoping to be to outstrip last year's pace and get up to 25 uh, goals and maybe a like number of assists. But uh, uh, he's shown signs of coming around, and uh, the owners need him. They need everyone, you know, that's the nature of the team. As for that holding penalty on Reimer where he tackled Nuge, I saw it as a good penalty by Reimer, the kind of one where you say, well, the guy took a penalty, but he saved a goal because that one was going in the net. And when somehow the refs did not see that big white glove grab that those blue, dark blue hockey pants, when every fan in the building saw it, just makes you shake your head. It's to, they did see the puck over glass, so i got to give them that. They called the puck over glass. They that was a good that. call, yeah. <laughs> Okay, are we on to our bad things, Bruce? I think we are. What is your uh, bad thing? Yeah. Yeah, i got to go with Evander Kane. I thought he had a horrible game. Oh, did he ever? There's no other way ever? to put it, David. I mean, I'll give you his numbers for starters. Uh, no goals, no assists, minus three, two penalties, uh, two shots on net, and three giveaways, uh, the most on the team, uh, in the giveaways department. 
on the great A shot front, we credit him with one. It was a really good shot that he had early in the third period. He got sent in and he, and he nearly scored. That was a good save by Reimer. Five alarm shot. Six against. One four. Six against for a winger, which is the most offensive player on the team. And three of the six against resulted in goals. And some of them were horrible. Uh, like the back check, the so-called back check on the Carlson goal, where he just, you know, he just sort of, oh, well, I guess I have to skate back toward my own net now. And, you know, you think it was sort of 40 minutes into a practice, and he's just floating down the ice at, at no speed at all and made really no effort at all, right? Yeah, Ed Hyman. Hyman. Hyman was almost as bad. Kane was, should have been the lead dog on yeah. there. But, and I say that word, I mean, you'd like to see a dogged back check? Kane dogged it, one syllable on this back check. It just was not good at all. I just, I was very unimpressed with this effort. And I'm frankly, I'm, I'm deciding between a one and a two. Like it was that bad of a game for Kane. And he had a good game on Saturday. He had a horrible game tonight. Yeah, I'd probably go two but one so i i like Not giving one up good score. he did draw one san jose penalty to offset yeah. one of the two that he took so i might find enough sort of marginally good stuff around the edges to to avoid the dreaded one because i really do hate giving them out but man he made a lot of mistakes in this game and he did not win my admiration with the effort that he made on the defensive side of the puck i mean there was one in overtime there where some was it number Seven on San Jose, I'm thinking, yeah, Nico Sturm, noted speedster, Nico Sturm. And he was one-on-one against Evander Kane, and he just went right past him, just skated past him, drove in on net and fired a hard shot on net. Why is Kane out there over time? He's had such a bad game. They had him and and, uh, Bukestad out for the second shift in overtime, and that happened. And I thought that's two pretty slow players. I mean, Kane can be fast, but he wasn't in this game. He just wasn't, didn't seem to have his head in the game. And that's, I mean, I'll leave it there. I've criticized him enough, but uh, that was nowhere near good enough for any player on the team, let alone one of your feature forwards. Yeah. And those scoring chances, like those are major individual mistakes. He's just yes. not on the ice. Those are mistakes he made. And for a winger, like a, a winger, most wingers average less than one per game. Like they, mm-hmm. they, you know, it's so if you if you made two in a game, like you've had a really you've had a bad game for a winger. You make six, and three of them end up in your own net. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. Whew. Bruce, my bad thing. Um, it's Jack Campbell, and um. It's mainly the way he started the game because he did, as the game went along, he, you know, there was 14 grade A shots and eight five alarm shots. And he made some big saves in overtime and down the stretch of the game. Like there was a couple, you know, six minutes left. There was one one flurry in front of the net, although CeCe kind of saved the second one, I should say. so. But actually, he, he got a piece of the second one, too. It would have gone in, but he got a piece of that. Um, with six minutes left, there was a chance right in tight. So he and he made some big saves in overtime. Um, we have three grade A shots in overtime for San Jose, so he stopped all of those. But man, he just doesn't he doesn't look right. Like and at the start of the game, Bruce, he just was so the the first goal that was called back 
um, was not a grade A shot. It was a it was a B shot, and he let it in. And then on the first, and then on San Jose's first goal that counted, he um, kicked out this massive rebound right into the slot. Um, he just he you know you can't have that. You really can't. Mm-hmm. And um, he's he's putting in. Um, you know, we went through the decade of darkness. We saw a lot of rancid goaltending. You know, we saw a ton of it. Uh, but he he's kind of in that category of decade of darkness, like goaltending. You know, kind of the level that we saw from Nikolai Habibulin or Scrivens um, comes to mind. Or Bet- Cam Talbot in his worst season, his last season with the Oilers. Um, Devin Dubnik's worst last season with the Oilers. He's not yet in Jeff Durant Delorier territory, <laughs> or 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 as bad as Ilya Brizgalov was in his one season here. Um, those two guys set the standard. But he, he's he, he is giving us decade of darkness like goaltending in a year when Dodgers can win the Stanley Cup if they get at least you know just slightly above average goaltending. I think they can win the cup. You know, if they get a well above average goaltending, then they're really going to have a good chance at it. But um, he's not even close. And, it, and it's worrisome because they may need him in a playoff game. They may need him, you know, to if Skinner's had a couple tough games in a row, they might need to put him in. Mm-hmm. And, but why would you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess... I guess it, it just comes back to the question, like, should they call up another goalie? You should use one of their call-ups on um, one of their, who is, I don't know, I haven't followed the, the Condors that closely this year. Mm-hmm. Should, should they call up um, Rodrigue or should they call up Pickard? Uh, is Pickard. it Calvin Pickard? Pickard, Pickard. yeah. Pickard. Yeah, he's, he's playing better than Campbell is. I mean, Campbell's now at least six games in a row with four goals against. And let's not forget the three that were disallowed tonight. And I hated all three of those goals. I mean, the one early in the first period, uh, first offside challenge, he was down on his knees before the shot was ever let go. And then he was waving at it and went into the top corner over his arm because he was down too low. And, and Gregor's shot that went off. Gregor's shot that went off the post, he was down on his knees too. And I think oh, he I was made diving. It. You know, yeah, yes. There was a shot off the post. Uh, second no, shot from outside, hit the post. The yeah. third shot he stopped, but he punted the huge rebound onto the goal scorer's stick. Uh, the the uh, second disallowed goal, I think I referenced it already, where the shot was actually going wide and he overreached with his stick arm and, and it hit his arm and bounced in. And then the Gregor goal that was disallowed, where it was just a cross-ice pass, and he just goes sort of diving face first across the, the net, and it went right under him and into the middle of the net. Like, even in diving across, he didn't see all the ice. So, I got, this is from Tyson Monroe on Twitter, TYS35. That's a goalie's number because Tyson is a goalie and a goalie coach. I followed him recently on Twitter, and he's got some good insights. And this is what he writes in one tweet about Jack Campbell tonight. And he says, as a goalie, meaning himself, Jack Campbell's technique and mechanics genuinely horrify me. Almost none of his game resembles anything taught this century. Weight is always on the inside leg and butterfly, and it pulls him off pucks constantly. It's so easy to see why he struggles. It is easy to see why he struggles. I mean, 
the going down thing too, like this perpetually going, like getting being small in the net, getting low. Yeah, freezing up. So Calvin Pickard has played 31 games this mm-hmm. year. He's got 19 wins, and it looks like 11 losses in total. Mm-hmm. He's got a 9-12 save percentage. Like seriously, they should bring him up and give him a game, see how that goes, because mm-hmm. you, you might need two goalies in the playoffs to win the Stanley Cup, and I don't see it with Jack Campbell. It's not he had one good month. Yeah. And other than that, it's been this kind of level of goaltending and and I've you know, I've I've seen enough, I guess. What about you, Bruce? Do you think that's too harsh? Well, and we keep hearing about he needs time to work on his game and then he comes back and it just looks the same. Like he's not square to shooters, his you know, his feet are constantly moving, like he never seems to be settled and set for a shot. And, and he's deep in the net. He's kind of, he seems to like, he's barely smaller than Stuart Skinner. But if you just look at the two of them in the net, it's like one guy's a giant and one guy is a, what is it, Lilliputian? Uh, the, you know, really, really, yeah. uh, <laughs> Gulliver's Travels. The other yeah. uh, one's a Brobdingnagian and the other one's a Lilliputian. And, <laughs> and it, 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 it's terrifying. Like, I mean, even outside shots, I'm just sort of holding my breath. And he, sometimes he stabs out an arm and he gloves it, but he never seems to get his body in front of them. It's just, you know, it's uh, his technique. He's just lost it, whatever he had. And he was a good goalie for, you know, a number of years. He was, you know, at least pretty good. And he's, whatever it is that he had, it seems that he's gone. I mean, I, I got to say, I agree with uh, Tyson Monroe's comments. His feet. He said, uh, here's another one from him. I'll just, I'll just give you one more. I had some questions about if Campbell can be fixed. Truthfully, I'm not sure. I know where I would start, though. I've made numerous comments over the season about Campbell's feet never being set. To me, this is a bigger concern than the questions about puck tracking. And that was a concern, too. So anyway, that was, uh, and I just said the same thing about his feet, and I hadn't seen his tweet yet, but it's the same, you know, he's, he's, he's he never settled. So. He's just jittery. Seems nervous. nothing makes me jittery more than have, have a jittery goalie. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he just he just needs to work on his technique and his psychological game, and figure out what's gone wrong here and come back next year. But I would mm-hmm. call up Calvin Pickard. That would be my move at this point. Like I would like to see that. And so Calvin Pickard um, last season in 43 AHL games had a nine 9.18 save percentage. Mm-hmm. And this year he's got a 9-12 safe percentage. He's a proven so these, AHL number three goalie. And he's, I think he's played at least some NHL action in at least something like the last eight years in a row. He's played. He has yeah. a number three, but he's played a lot of, yeah. he's played a, he's, you know, he's been around a long time. He, he's not a guy who's going to come up and be intimidated by the NHL. Three games last year. to go with that. Three games last year, six years the year before, three years Three games the year before that, six games the year before that, 11 games, or 17 games actually. 50 before. or something, one year. He's played um, 116 NHL games and he has a 903 save percentage in those games. So, you know, he 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 has never, if we're completely honest, geez, in one, Calvin Pickard played 50 games for the 2016-17 Colorado Avalanche in 904 save percentage. He's, he's had one... He had in 2015-16 for the Avs, 20 games and a 9.22 save percentage. He's had low save percentages consistently every time he's been called up to the NHL. He has not gotten it done, Calvin Pickard. 
Mm-hmm. So, and in this, this would be in like one, two, three, four, or five seasons in a row. It's like um, 863, 892, 797, 874, mm-hmm. 875. These are not promising save percentages from him. Nonetheless, at the HL level, he, he has been getting it done uh, the last two years and in previous years. So, I mean, it, it's just give him a game. That's what I would say. Just give him a game. Um, looks like the order is going to make the playoffs um, quite handily here. And um, down the stretch, see how he does. Because it would be nice to know um, that maybe in the playoffs he could he could hold the fort for, for one or two games. I mean, it's going to be Skinner. Or, or nobody, obviously, I think, in the playoffs at this point. But um, it's nice to have a plan B, because I don't think Campbell is a, a very good, solid plan B right now. Yeah, Your number, well, Bruce? He's in uh, 890, his last seven games. None of these aren't seasons. These are games. 897, 826, 895, 857, 714, 842, 875. You haven't had a this single 90%. No, this is Campbell. That's Campbell. Oh, his okay, last seven games. He hasn't had a single thing. 90% game for seven in a row. Oh, which is and it looked of, like he had turned it around bar, in January. But, yeah. Looked like he had turned it around there. It he had a good January. It looked like he, oh, this is, it's like, hey, he's a he's an okay goalie. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's not great or anything, but he's, he's, he's playing league average here. And he did for about a month. And... What they, the Oilers need is a goalie can hold the other team below four because the Oilers themselves will score four way more often than not. They got four tonight, and it's enough to should be enough to win when you get four. Yeah, you know, you should should be able to hold the other guys down. Some of it obviously is on the team, uh, but you know Skinner's getting it done. The good news is teams that win cups often do rely on one goalie through the whole shooting yeah. match. Like it's um. It's a little less common now than it used to be. It used to be they just ran one goalie, and um, very rare, I think, you know, to change goalies. But but now you see that more often. But um, they'll change it up. It's but uh, hurt, like, uh, yeah, so hopefully Stuart did last year. Skinner stays healthy, and it seems like yeah. All right, your number, Bruce. Yeah, I'm going to go with number twenty, and that's the number of shots on goal taken tonight by. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, seven. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, seven. Connor McDavid, six. Edmonton's three, big uh, score. And uh, you can add in uh, Zach Hyman's four if you care to anyway. All those guys were peppering uh, shots on uh, uh, the uh, uh, James Reimer. And not one of those shots went in. That uh, You know, it's not like they weren't playing okay or you know they weren't generating good chance i mean reimer made two sensational stops off a of dry sidle in that late uh power play one he got his glove on and uh jack michael said he missed the net but he in fact did not miss the net it was it was a fantastic glove save off of classic dry sidle executioner shot that deflected it up and over the crossbar and then another diving save across the crease where, again, Leon got everything on the shot and, and uh, he took it away. I mean, uh, but David, he had trouble handling the puck tonight a lot. And he didn't he didn't seem to have a real, you know, his magic hands were just sort of not there. But they started coming around late in the game, as often is the case. And uh, 
Uh, he couldn't solve them, and Nuge was all around it. And uh, I mean, all three of those guys also hit the post, and then none of which would even count as a shot, right? So it was they were just all around it, and they couldn't get her done. But uh, that's what yet Matthias Ekholm and Darnell Nurse on the team for, I guess, eh? And and uh, and Nick Bukestad <laughs> to look after the actual goal scoring when the when the snipers go cold. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Bruce, um, my number is, I've already said it, top of the podcast, 31 grade A shots and mm. 17 five alarm shots. So just to put this into context, I, I think, and I'm not I'm not sure about this, I don't have all the historical records around, but I think this is the most uh, grade A shots the others have ever had in, in a game since we started tracking this. We started tracking grade A shots about eight, eight years ago. We started track. we used to track track just scoring chance shots which we included grade b shots we've done that since 2010 mm-hmm. 11 but since i think 2015 16 mcdavid's first year we've actually broken out the grade a shots anyway this is the most they've ever i'm pretty sure this is the most we've ever counted in a game this is the preliminary count it's 31 so seven times this year the oilers have had uh, 20 grade a shots in a game and the most um other than this game was 26 against the anaheim ducks and um, so they got 31 this game. So that's, you know, they kind of, that's a significant um, um, gap over 26. And the 17 five alarm shots, which is a subset. So so um, the grade A shots go in about 25% of the time and the five alarm shots about 33% of the time. So they had 17 of those this game. And only once before in one game did they have 15 this year. Five um, alarms. Five alarms. So this, they just absolutely... They fired a lot of very dangerous, deadly shots on net. And James Reimer um, was the only reason this game wasn't an absolute blowout. Um, and then, of course, the refs. I guess if the refs hadn't called it back anyway. Let's forget about that part. But R- Reimer, Reimer kept this from a blowout mm-hmm. um, of the goals that counted, like and the shots that counted. He was outstanding. Like that was a tremendous performance from from him. And... Um, he was also it, lucky, but yes, sure. he was outstanding. He was lucky yeah. on some saves, and he was lucky on several of those posts, and just some puck. He got some good puck luck, but he Indeed. did play. He did play real well, for sure. All right, should we leave it there? You got work to do, still to do, I guess. Still got work to do tonight. All right. Not, no way I'm going to capture everything that happened in that game. I don't think there's any way to. Don't even try. To uh, make that I'll possible, try. it's going to be broad brush strokes. Yeah, that's okay. Yep. That's okay. It's like the great uh, uh, Japanese artist, Bruce. They just do the one stroke fast, and mm-hmm. that captures everything. And that's what you're going to do with your game grades tonight. All right. Thanks for talking tonight. Right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.